You're listening to Business Stories with Ryan Arcarachi, where I speak to business professionals from all walks of life. Thanks for listening, and let's get to it. Welcome back, everybody. We are at episode 58, and today we're going to cover a topic that is interesting and new when it comes to entrepreneurs and how to retain employees, maintain a good culture, um, and just continue to grow. A lot of people don't know that even though you may have a successful company making tons of money and you're growing, that success comes with its own set of challenges. And my guest today is Jerry Quinn. Jerry is an expert and executive coach. She runs a company called Driving Improved Results, right? So Jerry's here to talk about her approach to help people, the major issue of quiet quitting, which is a new thing going on uh, that I've heard about recently in the last two, three months. Jerry, thanks for being here. Um, It's great to have you. Well, thank you, Ryan. I'm certainly uh, happy to be here and talk about a subject that's near and dear to my heart. Um, My uh, reason for being and the theme that's run through my life is empowerment. So empowering business owners to be great leaders, empowering business owners to empower their employees, empowering employees to really um, love their jobs and really be contribution to the businesses they serve. And then empowering them to um, be inspired to empower their families. And and so it continues right down the chain of one generation to the next. Um, So we... And you talked about quiet quitting. It's a really big topic right now. It used to be the great resignation. Yeah. Uh, now it's quiet quitting. There's um, all of it has to do with engagement, right? Are your employees engaged in being there or are they just tolerating being there just so they can get a salary? Right. And a lot of times in the pandemic, we um, people made choices about well, what's important to me. Uh, now I see... There's death around me. I see shortened lives. I see people making choices uh, about their health and about what's important to them and about spending more time with family. And yeah, my family is more important than your company. Uh, My life is more important than your company. So I'm going to um, vote with my feet, (laughs) leave a toxic culture and go for work for a great culture. Um, If I stay, but I don't like the fact that I'm staying. I'm just feel obligated to be there. Then I'll quietly quit, which means I'll quit the mental space of being there. My body shows up and I do the minimum. I get my paycheck and then I'm out of there because my mind is focused elsewhere. That's quiet quitting. Right. And, you know, I, I mean, working in the past, even as a kid, you know, you, you always saw the people that just showed up to get a paycheck and didn't really have their heart and soul into the work yeah well there's a couple of things that i'd like to relate to you for instance in the during the pandemic i was speaking to a young woman who was working in florida and her grandfather was dying up in new york from covid and her uh she asked her company to could she go to new york and have a few days off to to uh, see her grandfather and of course at that time you had to isolate for a week and then um And then before she came back, she had to isolate for another week. So she was really asking for two weeks off and the company would not allow it. And as soon as she could, she quit because they didn't have the caring. They didn't have the empathy. They um, didn't value her enough to have a major life thing, like being able to say goodbye to to her own grandfather 
be uh, valued. And so, you know, her values were not the same as the company's values. And so she quit. Um, I've worked with another company where the, uh, the people who were the managers uh, didn't necessarily have good management skills. They had, didn't have people skills. They were great at the job, but not at great at, not so great at leading other people to do the job. So when you're a manager, it's your job is not to get the results. Your manage, your job as a manager is to get the results through other people. So right. you need those people skills. Yeah. And this woman uh, didn't have it. And, um, and so it just shows you the impact of having a good manager because she had uh, people quit on her all the time. She would hire them, they'd stay a month and then they'd leave because yeah. she couldn't manage them. And so having a great culture and having a great manager, that's what keeps people and and has them be attracted to your business as well as keep them working in your business and not having them quietly quit while they're looking for a new job. So this is the question I've got to ask you because it seems like it's hard to be in a leadership position or a management position and try to be so focused on growing the company and selling or whatever you're doing, the marketing and all that, but also trying to be empathetic, right? To other people's problems. The fact that they're not just an employee, they're a human being that comes with their own set of personal challenges and issues, right? Yeah. How? What do you do as a manager or an owner or CEO to be empathetic, but also understand that there's a balance there where you have to keep the company afloat, right? That's, difficult. So how do you find that? How do you suggest or what do you see that is working to maintain that balance? Yeah, it is a balancing act when you're trying to grow. Um, What's important to realize that is if you're a growing company, you should be delegating. So if you're an owner and not delegating, then you're keeping yourself small. I know there's um, you can't delegate everything if you don't have the 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 sales to generate the the sub the salaries so that you can delegate um, or spend the time training. On the other hand, if you don't, you're keeping yourself small. You're not op- leaving yourself open to scale. So emotional intelligence is at the root of everything. There are some very caring, empathetic leaders in care- who run caring cultures in very small businesses. And in fact, it's even easier in a small business because you really know your people a lot more closely than you would in a corporate setting. Right. So understanding, you understand more about their families, you understand more about um, uh, their their family needs, you understand more about um, who's got kids in daycare and who's got um, older relatives living with them and uh, who hasn't had a vacation and needs a vacation um, and being flexible so that people can go to doctor's appointments or have a, a mental health day or uh, take care of babysitting needs, uh, childcare needs. So, you know, all those things allow you to be more empathetic. Now, can you have people taking every other day off because their family needs them. No, then they're not necessarily a good fit for the job if that's exactly the way they want to be employed. 
On the other hand, you do have to be flexible. You have to let people have time off to go to a doctor's appointment or to a kid's recital or whatever. In fact, if you look at what's going on now with the train strike, it's because the workers want that. They want to be able to take a, a half a day off to go to a doctor's appointment without being fired. They have right. no PTO. And I guess that's one of the, the contract things that are coming up. Right. And uh, certainly with um, the the jobs that are not being filled right now are mostly hospital, hospitality and um, retail, maybe some healthcare as well. But part of that is that in many instances, they weren't giving a schedule that they could live with. They say, well, tomorrow we'll tell you you're scheduled for the next day. And, you know, people can't run their lives that way. They can't have families that way. They need to know a schedule in advance. They may agree to some part-time work, but there are people who really want full-time work with full-time benefits. Um, people don't necessarily want a split schedule because it ties up too much of their day. They only get paid for maybe uh, waitressing um, during lunch and dinner, but that three-hour gap in between, that's dead time for them, but is uh, you know not, not being paid for it. So it makes makes life hard and it makes it hard to fill those positions. So sometimes those positions have to be really rethought. So, and it might mean to changing the business model to some extent. Right. It's an interesting time because I remember, you know, I think when my parents were, work, were working, um, there was this mindset of the boss needs you, you're there and you give up a lot. I think there was a generation where they gave up a lot of their family to work because they felt like they had to work to have a family and afford a family. Um, but I think that hurt the structure. Sometimes the family structure, a lot of people didn't see their parents a lot growing up because they were always working. And I know that's the case. And sometimes, I mean, I got to see my parents, but I think as I was really young, they were, they were I remember them working a lot. Um, and I think a lot of other people my age have seen that. Um, so do you see there's a shift now where it's like, companies are realizing that it's not good to be that, you know, slam down the hammer and say, you need to be here every day on time, clock in and clock out. Because have you realized that's kind of hurt not only the business, but I mean, it's hurt the business in general because people are just, they, they weren't, I don't think people were happy back then working. So are, are we trying to find a happiness for employees now where they are happy with their life outside of work? They're happy with their life in work and everything is sort of balanced? Is that kind of the direction we're going now? Yeah, it definitely is. Um, it used to be that the employer had an upper hand, but since there are um, a, a shortage of employees, it's uh, more like the employees are dictating more of the terms now. And also you're, work, you're changing from a, a baby boomer workforce where exactly as your parents, they wanted, they were, um, working in order to afford to have a family in order to live. Whereas people um, in the Gen X and Gen Y and now the Gen Z are thinking, I'm living and I'll fit work into it. And yeah. so they're looking for something that motivates them and inspires them, that um, is uh, aligned with their values. Um, now, Patagonia president just identified that uh, he's selling his company and donating the proceeds to climate change. And I saw that. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if it attracts a huge number of employees who um, really value employee uh, uh, value climate 
change um, scenarios. So and so people want to work where their hearts are and they want to work in a way that allows them to live, to have a family, to go on vacations. And that's not to say that's everybody. There's always a few that are dedicated. And sometimes people are so dedicated to the mission that they want to give their heart and their soul and give up their time and not take vacation time or whatever. And you have to plead with them to take vacation time because they they love their work so much. Um, but also research has come out that the happier employees are, the happier your customers will be. The happier your employees are, um, the higher performance you get out of them, the better teamwork you get out of them. So it's a, it's a question not of how much can you get out of your employees so much as how can you set up an environment so the employee feels so engaged and valued uh, so that the employee wants to be there, wants to contribute the most, wants to invite all his friends to say, you know, I'm working at a great place. Maybe you want to apply here too. So A players attract A players, right? And right. so if you want uh, your A player employee to um, invite other A players because it's such a great working environment, then that's what you need to provide that, that A plus team environment. And I think, you know, it's interesting you say that because it could take one bad apple, right? If you have one bad employee with a negative attitude or they're showing up late or they're gossiping or and just one person could, could spread that negativity, that toxicity around the whole organization. And the next thing you know, if they influence others, everything crumbles. Have you seen that happen too often? Yeah. So you get what you tolerate, right? Right. So if you're growing a great culture, but you tolerate one person, that person undermines everything you're trying to build. Yeah. Um, so that that um, so you really have to be careful that who you're hiring is not only experienced in whatever job skill you want them to have, but that they really contribute to the culture that you're building, that they're going to, as you said, not gossip, not go play one-upmanship games, not put somebody else down in order to build themselves up, not keep um, their skills and knowledge, industry knowledge um, to themselves. You know, they share, they collaborate, they help other people, they mentor others. Um, and then they are well-rounded enough to get along well with employees, their colleagues, as well as uh, customers, right? Because you don't want somebody being negative with your customers. And they're going to contribute to your growth. And um, they want to see themselves get better and better, maybe rise up through the organization, master new skills. Uh, and they're looking for training and development. So yeah. the more people press you for training and development, the more you know they're the kind of employee you want. Right. If they're and open of course, to so You need to provide that. Right. Right. So, I mean, the question I have for you too is like if you're vetting a new team member, if you're interviewing, I think there are things that uh, you hear coming out of their mouth, like they're telling you things or they're, they're talking themselves up, which is what you typically do in an interview. But how do you really vet them based on what you, they don't tell you? Like, what are the things you look for? I, I would say like, to me, it would be, you know, you're at this last position a month. You're at the position before that for, you know, three months. What are you looking for? I mean, to, to really make sure that you're finding someone that fits your culture. All right. So um, I think there are the, there's a three-legged table there. Um, 
there's certainly the resume and the things that they submit. There's the interviewing that you do, and hopefully you do several interviews and weed out people that maybe don't fit until you get to the final interview. And maybe the initial interviews are online um, or via phone, but the final interviews are in person. And the third leg of the stool is assessments. So I think people can pull the wool over your eyes and even in an interview. Um, but if you have some kinds of assessment that shows how they communicate, shows what motivates them, uh, shows some things about their decision-making process, those kinds of assessments you can't fool because they're, they're error-proof in terms of the way they're built to reflect somebody's uh, persona. And so um, I would use assessments to make sure they fit the culture. And you could say, okay, well, you spent a few hundred dollars on assessment, that's kind of expensive. On the other hand, <laughs> replacing somebody after you find out that they really weren't what you thought they were, that's super expensive. It's right. one and a half times, three times salary to replace them. Right. Um, plus all the wear and tear on your other employees and your managers and your HR department, right? right. Um, but to answer your question, yeah, the, you're, you're asking why people left. You're asking um, what, um, tell me about a time when you didn't succeed. Uh, what was it? How did you fare? What did you learn from it? How did other people respond to it? Um, so you want to get a sense of what happens when they don't succeed. Right. Um, and you want to ask them about a variety of different things, not just their last position or two and not just their resume. You might want to ask them a, a typical scenario that might happen in the new job that they are being hired for or considered for and um, ask them how they would handle this situation, how they would handle that situation. And if it's a management position, you want to ask them about people skills, not technical skills, because a manager, as I said before, is gets results through others. And so their people skills have to be paramount in um what you're and what you're hiring them for right so let's say someone's listening to this and they're struggling with turnover high turnover maybe their culture suffering they're, they're just in a rut with their business kind of want to wrap this up with maybe three key takeaways that you could provide that people could just consider right now maybe they want to work with you maybe this is these are the things they have to hear or think about to work with you what would you say would be the three Top takeaways if you're a business owner right now who's just struggling with this stuff. Yeah, so I have uh, like a nine-point program. And not, th not that everybody needs to adjust all nine points, but um, picking out the top three is certainly um, individual for them and their com company. Yeah. And uh, certainly easier to work on than nine, right? So we always pick up the top one and then go to two and three. And then if it looks like there's some other things, um, then we add those to it. But usually the, the top three are executive coaching because if a fish stinks, it stinks from the head. So it's professional development for the leader to um, get some coaching to uh, expand their emotional intelligence, really be clear about the culture they want to create, um, get some real specific practical goals about how to go about doing that. Um, and I've done that with a lot of companies and I've been doing it with my own companies because ha I've had six companies as an entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. um, secondly, they want to look at their managers. 
are their managers really being coaching managers or are they being um, autocratic types of managers? If it's a coaching manager, then they're helping their own people to develop decision-making and creativity and to um, uh, learn from all that they're doing because in a lot of cases, they're trying out their own capabilities. Uh, and when you coach someone, uh, you don't tell them what to do. You help them figure it out so that they continue to grow. And that's the way a manager gets promoted. They grow another manager to replace them so that they can move up. Yeah. And then the third thing is to really look at the, the communication inside. Like, do you have several departments and department heads or maybe a team that's a crucial team? And do they really communicate well? Could we learn a lot more about each other's communication style so we could dovetail into that to create better communication and, and eliminate animosity? Um, do, do we Are we really focused on goal planning and goal achievement? Have we set up a timeline? Have we, do we understand each other and give each other equal voices for uh, putting in opinions and identifying where we could possibly go wrong? You know, you, you need everybody's voice in order to uh, achieve the best results. Right. right. Well, this has been great, Jerry. Um... You know, if people are listening to this and they want to work with you, uh, what what's the best way to reach you or find you? You know, the best way to reach me is to just send me an email. Uh, it's Jerry at Driving Improved Results. And I spell my name J-E-R-I at Driving Improved, and that's with an E-D, results, plural, dot com. Awesome. If you are out there listening to this and you're struggling like a lot of people with turnover, culture, uh, retention, you know, any sort of toxicity in the workplace, Jerry could be the person you need to help you. Jerry, thanks a lot for being on the episode and I hope we can keep in touch. Yeah, that's wonderful. I look forward to it and uh, thank you so much for having me on. Thank you. Did you enjoy this episode? I hope so. If you want to support the podcast, you can go to buymeacoffee.com forward slash Ryan says thanks. Your support is appreciated. And hey, even if you don't buy me a coffee, I'm happy to have you listening. So keep it up and thanks again.